Hello everybody, we are back with the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast. We are back to review Week 3's games and I am joined very, very specially by Sam and Max. We'll start with Sam. How are you doing, Sam? I am about as good as uh, one could expect to be. Nice. Okay. Uh, And how are you doing, Max? Can you believe I'm still dehydrated from Saturday? Like, my lips are so dry, it's insane. The dry upper lip podcast. (laughs) And lower. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a a special guest today, where we've got uh, Nick from... Where are you from, Nick? Hello, I'm from from Sheffield. Um, And I, I don't know how me and Max first got in contact. Um, but I've ended up befriending Max and talking a lot about the NFL with Max, and Max invited me on today, so I'm I'm glad to be here. I'm also suffering as a as a Chiefs fan on 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 Tuesday, um, for because Sunday was not fun in the slightest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we. Um, it seems as though most of us took collective L's, so thankfully we'll be able to um, break down at least two of those. Um, we're also doing this one live on Twitch, which, you know, doesn't happen very often. Um, so thank you everyone for hopping into chat. We'll probably check chat at various points, but hopefully this doesn't take too long. Um, no Thursday night game this week, uh, which is also no Steelers game. Uh, Nick, I assume you probably won't understand what this bit is. We've, we've just decided to not talk about a certain team. Um, all, all show, so that's why there wasn't a Thursday game. So we'll just get straight into Sunday games. Um, and where better place to start than with the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins? Where the Dolphins snuck out a 21 to 19 win over Buffalo, but it all it all started to get a little a little touchy towards the end, where the Dolphins had the very first edition of a butt punt. Still ended up taking the win, though. Can I just shock you for a moment? It was actually not the first ever edition of the butt punt. I think there was one in the 70s, if you can believe it. And I believe it involved the Steelers, but I can't for the life of me remember if they were only benefiting in. But I think that one led to a touchdown, which the Dolphins were quite fortunate that theirs didn't. Yeah, absolutely. Although it did end up in a safety, which was almost as disastrous as a touchdown. Um, but this this game was a was a a very strange one. Josh Allen threw sixty three times for four hundred yards. He did, which seems yeah, like they a... had the ball for so long. Mm-hmm. Which I think the 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 time of possession was something like forty minutes to eighteen, or yeah. something like that, in uh, favor of the Bills, which just goes minutes. to prove that that is. Which is a means, yeah, just goes to prove it's a completely irrelevant stat because <laughs> yeah. it all depends what you uh, what you do with it. But yeah, and I saw Alan and the way to him and Tua were sort of consoling each other at the end of the game. They both looked exhausted, but I think Alan, in particular, after throwing it sixty three times, should have would have been well, he'd have been knackered in the Miami Heat. Yeah, I've got two questions for everyone. The first question is if if you play that game with the Bills dominating, they had twice as many first downs. I think they had 280 more yards than the Dolphins. If you play that game 100 times, how many times do you think the Bills win? And my second question would be, how long do you think you personally 
would have stayed in that game in those conditions before you just dropped down like a fly. Uh, For me, the answer would be, yeah, 97 and four snaps at most. Yeah, like it was, I think it was about 37 or 38 degrees. But, like, I fucking, one of the, I can't remember, I think it was Isaiah McKenzie. Um, but one of the one of the Bills receivers had to have a fucking IV drip. It might have been Diggs. He looked like he was struggling. He went out about three times, I think. It is I insane think... to me that anyone was in for... I mean, the, the Bills' offense were out there a long fucking time. Like, that they held up is amazing to me. Yeah. I'd say Miami. It, it 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 was it was just a very strange game because it almost felt like at any point the Bills should be on the receiving end of uh, an, an extra five scores. It felt like, but they just never actually got across the goal line, and that's the important part, really. Very strange. Yeah, I think Aaron was a little bit more erratic. Um, in in this game than he had been in the two previous weeks to start the season. There were sort of five or six instances where he threw a pass. I think uh, Baker, the the Dolphins linebacker, dropped at least two potential picks. Um, I think Howard dropped at least one as well. And so I think Allen was a little more erratic and a little bit more... um, So far this season, in the opening two games, they were very... Just they were getting the ball off within two seconds every single time, and it looked like they were trying to sort of go for a little bit of the bigger play more this this week. I thought uh, against Miami, um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine any kind of sport in that heat. Never mind professional sport. In answer to Max's question, uh, Max's question, I would say yeah, ninety eight times out of hundred, the Bills will win that. And having just uh, taken up five side football myself again recently, I can confirm that I think I'd have made it. Uh, onto the pitch uh, for one snap and then I'd be stretched off again. I think <laughs> <laughs> the coin toss would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think um, been enough yeah. for me. Alan's, Alan had a terrible fourth down miss on the goal line. Um, I think to McKenzie, just left it short. Um, he was wide open. So yeah, Alan was a lot more erratic um, than he has been in the first two weeks. But I think you got to give the Dolphins some credit for being resilient, even though, you know, they did get kind of lucky. I mean, yeah, they, they, they hung around and they did just enough to win. I think in the first half, they really struggled. But then the whole incident with Tua happened that looked really dodgy. Oh, don't get <laughs> me Somehow, somehow they came our, back in the second what half. What is our consensus on this? Like, he was, that was... He was concussed. Was, yeah. He looked super concussed. Like... I, d- I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you are not actually back. from a back injury. Like, to not unless this was like a nervous system well. injury, right? Mm. Well, yeah, that was unless, still involved. unless your spine, like, compresses like an accordion and, like, bonks your skull. <laughs> I think that's not how that turns out. But, like, I, I assume the NFL will investigate it and, you know. Yeah, I think uh, Paul said after the game that it was, yeah, that something was there and going to investigate it at least because, well, you see it so many times on the pitch uh, every single week, guys getting concussed, and that was just classic symptoms of it. So I couldn't get, got up, stumbled to his feet, tried to take five steps forward and stumbled again. It was it was reminiscent of Daniel Jones versus the Cowboys last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, 
Did anyone see Rappaport's tweet where he tried to sort of like almost justify it for the bank uh, for the Dolphins a little bit, where he was like, "Oh, he'd had like a back tweak, and and this was just a flare up of that," and then it was like, "Yeah, I come don't on, don't, was like, don't you go down the Schefter route, right Yeah, here. I was gonna say it's not like Schefter carried the water. I think that's the explanation that the Bills must have given because you have to have a reason. You have to have a good reason why the independent neurological guy. Like, and they must have said, "Oh, it was a back," and that must have been because I'm sure they asked, "Like, why is he back in the game?" And I'm sure they told them it was a back. And I, I guess he has to report that, even though probably I don't think anyone really believes it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't even think that I would have even made it out onto the field. By the way, just to answer Max's question from earlier, I think I'd have probably like. When you get into the tunnel, do you know whenever you sort of like open your front door on an incredibly hot day and just air blasts you in the face and it feels like you've just been like punched in the face by Mike Tyson? Um, I think that that probably would have happened to me. I think I'd have walked out into the tunnel wearing the lightest pads of all time and just immediately collapsed. So yeah, I think, (laughs) I think, I think we'd have all, we'd have all struggled to make it even out onto that field properly. But, um, well, apart from Nick, who, is now going to become like a professional footballer off of his five-a-side exploits, I think. He's going to be like the original, oh, the second oh, original Masters guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a, a quick peek behind the curtain. Uh, the five-a-side football is not going well. We've conceded <laughs> at least 60 goals in the last four games, so I don't think I'll be, <laughs> I don't think I'll be taking that up uh, properly anytime soon. <laughs> Well, it depends on which end of the, uh, which side of the field you're on. Because if you if you're playing up front, those goals aren't your fault. Exactly. Yeah. No. All right. Is it? Uh, yeah. Go on. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's all right. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I, 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 I said <laughs> the world doesn't need to know how terrible I'm at football anymore. Then, uh, then keep it as quiet as possible. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, we'll turn our attention to um, a host team who isn't here because. Well, the main reason why me and Max and Sam are all dehydrated from Saturday is because Ed had a wedding! Him and Emma got married. We were all there. Sam was... Uh, was What were you again, Sam? You were like the... You did all of the speech and stuff. For, uh, for... I was the celebrant? Whatever that means. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, we're all sort what of... What a wedding it was, by the way. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I had three nerve spears. Not spears. I had three nerve spears <laughs> before the speech. I'm surprised those, those that... Those were nerve spears. Those were just free beers. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the nerve beers didn't actually properly come across, by the way, Sam. I thought that you were incredibly uh, fluent. I feel, like, I feel like I felt okay, and then I stood up and realised that this might the most important day of their lives and there were about 60 people looking at me and then I lost consciousness for about three minutes uh, and then I regained it um, and everyone was smiling genially at me. (laughs) (laughs) I had a similar experience earlier this summer. I did the speech at my brother's wedding uh, and I had a very similar experience at uh, slightly different in that half an hour before I got up 
to uh, to do the speech, I realised that I'd lost one of the pages of my speech. Oh um, no! <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I I I'd done it on um, Google on Google uh, Google Drive. So my phone came to the rescue, but uh, that was a, a, a horrific half an hour before I had to stand mm. up and do the speech. Yeah, yeah. There was some there were some long pauses where my cue cards got stuck together, but we we rode it through. At least you didn't flub your lines, unlike a certain head coach hit on fourth down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, way to bring us back in here. Yeah, you've stolen my you've stolen my job, but I appreciate it. <laughs> as the as the Minnesota Vikings beat the Detroit Lions twenty eight to twenty four, it wasn't easy for him. The Lions are looking a hell of a frisky team this year. Um just to get it out of the way quickly, Ed wanted us to talk about Christian Darisaw having allowed zero pressures. Um, and now we can talk about the rest of the game. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this game, um, which I didn't really expect to happen from a, a Vikings-Lions game. I thought, well, about sort of halfway through the game, I texted our group chat and was like, Kirk looks shit. And then Kirk Cousins then proceeded to throw for two touchdowns and start playing like an actual NFL footballer as opposed to like some flub that they brought in off the street. Um, Do you think he's like the reason that he plays really well in like 1 pm on a Sunday is he had a big roast dinner before the game? And he forgot <laughs> to have his roast on Sunday and they gave it to him never- last time. So he came back out and performed a bit better with the stuffing and other fixes. I've never considered that before, but that's how I'm going to view Kirk Cousins for the rest of his career. Yeah, that absolutely. He's just... Carvery merchant. <laughs> <laughs> Carvery merchant. That's quality. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think you're right, though. I think the Lions this season, you say you weren't expecting to have much fun watching it. They're sneakily really good fun to watch. They're really on both sides of the ball. Um, I think... Obviously, Amandra St. Brown getting injured. I don't think we really know the extent of that injury yet. Um, uh, is a blow for them, as is the DeAndre Swift injury. But they've been sneakily good this season. Um, I think they're... It's a, a very early on, but they're definitely, I think, in, in contention for the one of the, the lower wildcard spots this season. Although losing um, to, the, to the Vikings might set them back a bit on that head-to-head um, in the division. But... I'm, I'm with you. I think the Lions this season are they're good fun to watch, um, and they even players like if it, Hutchinson up front on defense, he's looks he looks like he's, he matches the billing of a second overall pick, and they've even managed to somehow make Jeff Okuda look um, decent in, in the secondary uh, after two pretty turgid years for him in the league, and he's certainly starting to look good as well now. So I'm I'm as if I could pick any team to watch as a neutral every week at the minute, I think it would be the Lions because the games are always well, well, uh, well battled. Their games last season as well under Dan, Dan Campbell, they um, um, always seem to go down to the last minute or so, and usually not in their favour because of some terrible mistake or or coaching call. Um, so they need to work that out. But no, I, th- I think they're a really good team to watch this year. I yeah. didn't really watch this game that much, but what impression did you get of? Um... Jared Goff because the last two weeks he started really slowly but when I was just I was watching it just on red zone I've not really had a chance to go in on it but it looked like he was actually dealing pretty well and and I think the Lions well what you say Nick when coming down to the last minute is when you have Jared Goff your team's always going to be more likely to come up small in the big moments 
But yes. when he's well protected and when he has weapons, you know, we saw it in LA, he, he is um, a competent quarterback, a little bit like a Tannehill, a poor man's Tannehill, maybe um, not nearly as mobile. So, yeah, I don't know really what, what, what did you think it was that, that switched the momentum in this game? Uh, well, I think it was. I think that the the Vikings actually made some great defensive adjustments because they didn't they didn't seem to blitz at all very well um, through the opening couple quarters. They 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 didn't really get any pressure on Goff at all. Um, the Lions' O line held up incredibly well, but they just didn't they didn't seem to be sending anywhere near enough guys at the line for the O-line really have much of an issue. Um, I think that they adjusted and they, they they really keyed in on trying to prevent Jared Goff from getting more time. And that that's where it became a game of two halves for me because then it became, okay, the Lions are starting to stall out a lot more. Not to say that they're going to stall out every time because, like Nick said, they have been like sneaky, fun to watch at least. Um, but, yeah, they... Uh, I think I think it was more the the Vikings. I, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a full blown tape guy. There's probably someone like Jet Brentnell that could that could um, point everything out. We've, I think we've name dropped him twice now already on uh, <laughs> in two weeks or maybe three times in two weeks. Um, just as a real tape guy, so maybe he could confirm. But yeah, that's what I got the impression of that Jared Goff was just pressured more, and he just stinks in pressure. Is. He's he, like Max said. He's the perfect quarterback to get you get you through a game if the O line is playing averagely or better, and the receivers are getting separation. But as soon as something in in the mixing pot goes wrong somewhere, uh, he starts to fall apart at the seams. But um, I don't think he's been bad this season at all. I think he's been a very very um, sort of league average quarterback. Which, if given that, um, you ask the Lions fans what they wanted from off this season, I think they'd have snapped your hand off for that. Yeah, it's also considering that he's been a league average quarterback. I think that that puts him in like the top ten quarterbacks for this year because everyone seems to be struggling a bit. At least it seems like a really weird year for for a lot of the sort of upper above average starters like your Derek Carrs who are just sort of just not doing it right now. So oh Derek Carr, <laughs> do we have like? Updates on Swift and Armin Ra. So I did That's have just... a I did have a quick look. Um Swift is probably gonna be rested for this week, but it doesn't look long term, and that seems to be the same way with Amon Ra and Brown. It seems like they got away quite bait. lucky. Um well, no. good question. You've thrown that on I, me right away. It is the, the Seahawks. Again. Oh, oh man! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to dissecting that one next week. <laughs> yeah. On a on a positive line, though, I thought Jeff Akuda. Yeah, we we mentioned his um, incredible recovery from being god awful in his first year, <laughs> and then I think having a blown Achilles in his second. Um, yeah. Teams have done a better job addressing. Justin Jefferson, not named the Green Bay Packers. So that's maybe something to watch. There's a couple of receivers, one of which I might mention later on, who have had a quiet two weeks. Yeah, my fancy team is not very happy about it because I took <laughs> Justin Jefferson in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> number four overall. 
Yeah. I think we've all we've all fallen guilty to something like that. I took Najee Harris third overall and that's gone dreadfully so far. In my money league I've got Jefferson and Harris. Alright. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um speaking of Derek Carr actually, uh I mentioned him what in that in that Lions discussion, I guess. Um the Raiders, twenty two to twenty four losers against the Titans who improved to one and two. Raiders who in three right now? Who'd have thunk it? You You simply love to see it, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Pipe down you. The AFC South wasn't your friend either. <laughs> Sorry. Um <laughs> No, I think um, it wasn't even as... What, what was the final? 24-22? 24-22, uh, yeah. but it was... Uh, the Raiders it scored... that close, did it? No. They, the Titans just a bit obliterated them until late in the fourth quarter, where it seemed like... And I, I, I say this both with exaggeration and probably factually. It seemed like the Raiders had at least 9,000 attempts at the goal line at the end of the game. Every single play that I saw from the fourth quarter was the Raiders on the goal line attempting to get in for a touchdown and it came down to basically the last second. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why they had so many, but they did and they blew it. <laughs> it's um, it's interesting to me because I mean, look, I, I really look, I really like Devontae Adams as a player. I love him when he was on the Packers, but how... They're not using him in goal-to-go situations, which is where he was absolutely money for the Packers. It's just a little bit bizarre. I mean, yeah, Hunter Renfro is missing. Um, Matt Collins got a bunch of targets for no discernible reason. And it's just weird. You've got Waller and Adams, and you can't, you can't, you, you know, thrive in goal-to-go. It, it's not looking a great reflection on Josh McDaniels through three games, and there were reports that the owners had a word with him, probably about the fact that they spent so much money on Devon's Adams and they can't get him involved. Um, I love that they did that meeting, by the way, prior to his press conferences yeah. with the media. So it was like, <laughs> just want everybody to know that you are having a discussion with, with the owner right now. Everyone, <laughs> we want everyone to know that you're getting told off. <laughs> yeah. I know, a little bit, little bit of a... An inauspicious start to the year for the Raiders, and at three and zero. I mean, to be fair, the, the Broncos are somehow tied for that division lead. But oh, three yeah. runs. You might think that their chances are not looking too great, and that would be a huge disappointment from where they were in the preseason. And Derek Mark got an extension, didn't he? He did. I think it was only two or three. I think they can feasibly get out of it after this year. I think uh, money wise. Um, yeah, it's not quite as but, bad as another AFC West extension that just recently happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get to that later. Uh, but I think the Raiders, they're probably their record is maybe a little bit false. I feel like I think if you think back to the Cardinals game last week and then this game as well, two really close games, they could easily be two and one. Uh, with a little bit more polish in the in the in the end in the uh, in the last twenty in the end zone and the and trying to finish off drives, but um, yeah, the like Max said, the inability to use Waller and Adams efficiently at the minute seems to be really problematic. I don't know if that stems back to an offensive line issue because that's a unit that's been decimated through the off season 
trading people away. Their first round pick from last year has just gone and is now on the Bears, I think. Yeah. They just cut him straight up. Uh, yeah. Um, so I don't know whether it's that unit that's that's they're not getting time to to for the uh, the plays to play out as they want to. Um, but yeah, they need to they need to do something quickly because in theory in this in the AFC West, but we'll get to the other three teams later. But you can't be owing three down and that many games behind for too long and have hopes of of winning the division. And on the Titans side, I think yeah, Henry looked much better, which was very useful for them. And I don't think Trey Lomberg hasn't quite been a disaster he was made out to be. They got a bit of contribution from from Robert Woods as well. So I think the Titans will feel relieved that they were looking a little bit more like what they were aiming to be and in the afc south it's not like the afc west i don't think this year other than the mighty jacksonville jaguars who yeah we'll talk about them but um i don't think they're out of it at one and two by any stretch so you know two teams who are probably going to end up like the raiders will probably finish as the 19th best team and the titans will probably finish as the 16th (laughs) yeah very much that vibe it was Agreed. good to see Henry back though. The first two weeks he was um, struggled a bit. Uh, well, wasn't properly himself, but he was back to his best this week. Yeah, I think he could still. It still seemed to me like he was maybe sort of like third gear. He still has a couple more that he could go to because um, he he's, he definitely was more lively in this game. But I still don't think that was the same sort of Derek Henry performance that. We've come to expect, yeah. but yeah, there's another gear for him to go to. I mean, when you get a stifling offensive or defensive performance in week one that just grinds you to a hole. <laughs> gross. <laughs> Absolutely grotesque. Um, Nick, close your ears. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, 17. Indianapolis Colts, 20. Nick will be able to give you the exact same takes that Reese would, to be fair, I think. All right. Very what, much a, what a week to have a, a Chiefs fan on. Yeah, the first oh. week that the Chiefs have finally looked human this season. and um, I, I, would were, argue, I would argue they looked human. <laughs> yeah. they, looked, they looked kind of human last week. Yeah, I was going to say, there were, there, were, there were warnings against the Chargers the week before. I think week one Chiefs with Andy Reid is just... They're, the uh, renowned for just absolutely destroying anybody in week one, because somehow Reed manages to um, obviously get a loaded plays out that nobody's even anticipating, and they've done it for years now. I think he's only lost one week one game as a as Chiefs head coach. Chiefs head coach. Um, but the warning signs were there against Chargers, and they were well played as day against the Colts. I've honestly, I've never seen a special teams performance as bad as that. Um, I think I probably have. <laughs> well, yeah, Mason Crosby, Crosby fans uh, aside. But um, no, the the drops from Sky Moore um, as a punt returner and then uh, Matt Amendola, who obviously we're missing Hurricane House and Butker on the, um, on the kicks. And um, he, the team just clearly don't trust him to kick anything longer than 30 yards on a field goal. So they did a weird fourth and... Fourth and twelve attempts, thirty-six yards from from the uh, thirty-six yards from the goal line. So it was an absolutely chaotic day. The defense was good, but the special teams were dreadful, and the offense looks very ordinary um, at the minute. If I had to say why, I think two elements to it. It would be the run game, um, which is poor, well beyond poor at the minute. Um, 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire's stat line for the game was seven runs, uh, zero yards for one touchdown, which is <laughs> an incredible. Stat that's line. like a that's like a classic Jerome Bettis line. That is, uh, I remember seeing Jerome Bettis have like eight touches, one yard, and two touchdowns once. So, <laughs> and the entire the entire running back room as a whole didn't get a single first down in the entire game. Um, which is dreadful and then the offensive line isn't helping which is weird because I think Orlando Brown's a bit injured but he was on skates on Sunday uh, against Nkakwe Uh, Tooney looks weird for some reason Creed and Trey Smith have both fallen off a little bit from last season but then it's the receiving room as well they're I think teams are playing a lot more so far this season playing a lot lot more man coverage against Chiefs against the Chiefs um, and they're really struggling to separate really 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 struggling to separate uh valdez scantling that's not his bag at all um mccall hardman's a gadget player who has never evolved with anything other than that and juju looks solid but um yeah they're really struggling to move the ball at the minute it feels a lot like exactly what we were saying early in last season at the chiefs like they can't run the ball the offensive line which was new last year looks a little bit dodgy and then I feel like a lot of cheap seasons are like this. And then as the season goes on, the offense looks better. It gels. They score more points. And the defense gets worse. Because I feel like every early season as well, it's like the Chiefs are always like, they finally have a, a better defense. And they went after a rely on their offense to carry them. And then by the end of the year, it, it's normally like a bottom six to eight unit at best. <laughs> so, I mean, last, that's, that's the recipe they had last year. And they, almost, they really should have got, sorry, they really should have got to the Super Bowl last year. But I mean, I think there's a bit of it was it was yeah it, it didn't look right, did it? Like there's a lot, and as, as the Packers are sort of in the same boat, there's a lot that still needs to be worked on. But I, I don't think there's any need to panic on the Chiefs by any means. Yeah, I wouldn't say that there's any need to panic purely because if 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 you're losing basically by the points that you lost from a muff pun, I'm not being funny. That's it's it's a it's a concerning performance from the offense because we're usually expecting the Chiefs' offense to be this good, but they muffed a punt on the goal line when Matt Ryan couldn't move the ball five five centimeters, let alone five yards. So, as far as I'm yeah, concerned, think... like just clean up the muff punt and they win the game. It's it's yeah. that it's that little of a difference, and that's why they say any can... given Sunday as well. It's like. Yeah, anything can happen. I think if you total up the sort of the point differentiation either way, with how many points the Chiefs didn't uh, convert themselves and then essentially gave to the Colts as well, yeah. I think there was something like 20, 22 point swing, and the Chiefs were still in it with thirty seconds to go, despite all that and despite the special teams' the horrific general horrificness. Um, and then, well, even on the, in the on the last drive, we got the stop on fourth and whatever it was on midfield. And then Chris Jones started chirping in Matt Ryan's face. And first, I've never seen that called before, really, where um, the Chiefs deserve to lose. Don't get me wrong. Um, yesterday, but I've never seen, so I'm not making excuses, but I've never seen um, a referee flag somebody after the play for what I, don't, I, assume, I assume was cursing in uh, Matt Ryan's direction. Um, from Chris I mean, Jones, but I feel like that must go on an awful lot on an NFL. I'd thought so. so. I would have thought that that would go on quite a lot, just in terms of general button. So, like, what the fuck did Chris Jones say that was like penalty worthy? 
I know, and after the play as well, because like yeah. I think he was, he, he sat, they stopped him, and then they Jones they do did his normal thing of like being stood over him and sort of making him know that they got the stop on fourth down or whatever else, and then they started having a verbal, and then God no, and then it was well, unprofessional conduct, fifteen yards, first down, and that was it. We <laughs> <laughs> probably called him like. Uh, like whack crying or something like that that'll do it I can't, you can't condone that kind of behaviour <laughs> you right. have to take a stand that's going to be the second least professional thing that's ever happened to Chris Jones <laughs> are you still referring to that <laughs> that one edge yeah, rushing I'm against yeah I'm still referring to when his cock came out oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> my bad I thought that you were still talking about that Villanueva Chris Jones moment oh where neither God. of them wasn't professional. <laughs> I still think that might be the funniest snap of the NFL I've seen <laughs> yeah. in the last like, 10 years. Chris Jones converted Edge Rusher versus washed up Alejandro Villanueva, a play that looked like it happened in slow motion on some sort of like gyroscopic balance board. It just looked all wrong. <laughs> Experiment did not work. No, at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's let's move on for um, for Nick's sake. We'll turn our attention now to uh, Ravens thirty-seven, Patriots twenty-six. Where uh, this game again, Lamar Jackson had a a, a stellar day, both passing and rushing. Um, I think I saw a stat line that this is the first back-to-back uh, or the third ever back-to-back weeks of 100-plus uh, yards rushing and 200-plus yards passing. Uh, and the other two instances are Lamar Jackson doing it twice in his MVP season in 2019. <laughs> he is he is astronomically good. At, yeah, he's, he's one of one. Yeah. He's no, better it, than he was in his MVP, MVP season so far. Yeah, I agree. His his passing has just taken off to a, a whole a whole other realm to me. Like I I always thought that he was he was a good player. Obviously, you've got to be a good player to win MVP. But um, I thought that if he, if he improved his passing, he would be untouchable. And yeah, he he is um, the. Other real big story for me out of this game, though, was the Mac Jones injury where he came off the field in what can only be described as sort of D-Day war landing scene. They yeah, said, it, looked, it looked dreadful. They said it was um, a severe grade high ankle, which suggests that something was torn. Yeah. Um, and it just looked like agony. And, I mean, all these guys, like, whether because of shock or whatever, they, they kind of just don't, you know, like... When, when you see injuries like a torn ACL and, and a guy just like grimaces and like goes off on the car and doesn't reach any motion, you kind of forget that that shit hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And you can yeah. see it was properly agony with Mac Jones. They, they, it's probably, it, it, it kind of like a season ender and I don't think it will be, but he'll be really hampered by it when he does come back and he might not come back for a few weeks. So the Patriots yeah. season is basically over. You can't if it's three weeks yeah, if it's a season end ender for for Jones, it's a season end of Patriots because oh yeah. I don't I don't think it is a season end of fourteen I, games of Hoyer. Yeah. Three weeks of Hoyer. I don't think you can come back for it because they're one and two, right? So, yeah. So if three, they go one and five, then like, there's not any coming back from that. Three weeks seems off 
optimistic for a. It does, doesn't it? But, yeah. But I think if you're a quarterback, I don't think you could do it if, if you were, you know, a skill position player. But a quarterback, you might be able to. And when he comes back, it might not look pretty because we've seen players play through high angles and they just look completely different. Well, yeah, he. Could, and it's not like he's a mobile guy. He didn't look all that great this week, and he's not looked. He's not looked particularly good this year. I mean, his best game was week two, and that was because there was absolutely zero pass rush on him. But he he hasn't he hasn't done anything to me. Like he had a good connection with Devontae Parker for the first time this week. Yeah, Devontae Parker. It's the same. He's going to have Brian Hoyer throwing him the ball. Yeah, but he also threw three picks. Like I I know. I know that what we're saying here about like oh he had like he had 156 yards worth of receiving out of Devontae Parker, but at the same time, you can't turn the ball over three times to do it. That's yeah, they, that's yeah, a yeah, problem. They, they really keep up, but they just couldn't. Yeah, like I think that's more on. I don't think it sh- I don't think it should be any surprise at all that a, a unit coached by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge combined is, yeah. is, is turning the ball over. Yeah, it's it's, it's Icarus stuff, isn't it? It's really an Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, but yeah, other than that, I kind of missed a lot of this game. Other than just every time that Mark Andrews got free, it seemed like oh, here he is again, another <laughs> unbelievably good pass catching tight end, just tearing it up against the Patriots. Yeah, Devin Duvernay's I've liked this season as well. I think he's been a reliable target for for Jackson this season more so than he has been in the past. Yeah. He's uh, he's looked they're a so lot explosive. Lot. The Ravens' offense doesn't ever seem to put up loads of yards, but they seem to put up loads of touchdowns. Yeah, well, Rashad um, Rashad Bateman as well is another guy that I think the Ravens' passing game got better as soon as they went having Hollywood Brown be a a, a thing. <laughs> and I, I I am a bit of a Hollywood Brown denier, but at the same time, like. Um, they feel more like a, a a wide receiver by committee team now, as opposed to okay, we've got this, we've got this first round guy. We need to, we need to actually utilize him here, and it, it feels it feels more loose. It feels, yeah. it feels I mean, like yeah. they can connect better. Bateman's a first round guy, right? So Bateman's meant to step yeah, in yeah. and step over that. Whereas they've always had like a cast of like smaller, fast receivers like Duvernay and. Uh, James Proche comes to mind. Yeah. Like they're kind of a they're kind of a no name wide receiver room. Like no one's there who's really proven themselves. But it's certainly working for them. They just need to try and stay healthy. Yeah. Which they are famously not doing. No. Two years in a row. <laughs> well, no, they're they're already down to their what fourth left tackle now. Yeah, that's Falele came in for a bit. Um but yeah, they look in trouble again in that regard. Yep, agreed. Okay, uh, moving on to... We're getting through these very quickly, by the way. Um, Falcons 27, Seahawks 23. Uh, we started to get towards like slightly slimmer pickings for actual uh, good games to talk about. The Thunderdome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was just a, a fun game to watch between two dreadful, dreadful teams, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Well, I don't think... They're not like uh, the Seahawks have been pretty bad, but they've had stretches where they look decent. And I actually, I really like watching the Falcons. They're like That's not so very good. Yeah, you like, can you can be great to watch, but it doesn't mean that you're good. If they had if they had an above average defense, they might be a playoff team. 
because they've got Mario has played um, he played quite well. Um, you know, he's obviously got a ceiling as a player, but he's been playing about as well as he has in his career. And then obviously you've got Pitts, who they're not even using. Drake London has been a real breakout star. Like, he's just stepped up and been better than Calvin Ridley has been the last few years, frankly. And obviously when Cordaro Patterson has a game like he had yesterday, it's it's hard to, to do anything about that. But it, it's easy to do those things against the Seahawks defense, which looks pretty crap. Yeah, I this mean, was two Calvin. teams that wanted to just play pure offense because they made the Falcons' defense made Geno Smith look good for most of the game until Geno Smith came back. And the <laughs> Seahawks' defense made Marcus Mariota look good. This is two bad defenses that made two fine-ish offenses look good for me. Just a, a couple bad teams. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how sort of Seattle are going to sort of present the rest of the season to the fan base because that defensive unit looks so poor. Apart from I like uh, Michelle Nuesu, he's putting in some sort of highlight-worthy plays that I've, uh, I've seen on my radar. But um, their entire team would only be competitive if if defense was playing well because you know smith's got a limit like we've said and as good as metcalf metcalf and uh and lockett are um they need the entire offensive unit to be working well together because the running game is not really taken off yet either um and so i don't know how this sort of ends this for seattle this year um because I don't think Gino is the kind of player that can keep you in games if your defense is giving up 30 points a, every single week. Um, I think they could really, really struggle to be competitive. Um, Are you suggesting that they should bench Gino and bring in True Lock? <laughs> Absolutely. Under no circumstances should any team in, in the league bring True Lock on as your savior. <laughs> well, if you've got your eyes on CJ Stroud. Yeah, well, I, I think they'll probably have to have a discussion at some point in Seattle about um, what the plan is going forward and looking to the future. I think I think that's a probably legit uh, discussion they'll have to have. I don't know what we, what's the equivalent for tank for two are going to be sink for Stroud. I don't know. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, Shroud for Stroud. <laughs> we'll we'll brainstorm that one, but there's there's possibilities. But yeah, they they can't expect to compete really with anybody this year. They played a bad Broncos team in week one who played very bad. And that is the closest that they've come to looking like they were going to win. And they're probably not going to win another game for a while looking at their schedule. I think the Giants on the 30th of October is the next winnable game for them. I know they've got the Lions, but the Lions are frisky and the Seahawks are dreadful. So, yeah. Woof. Um, that's, that's about as much as far as we got. Like I say, games became thin and far between for actual talking points. So let's turn our attention to the only host who won... Uh, this week with the Green Bay Packers playing out a 14 to 12 turgid bowl in Tampa Bay. What game it was. This was the um, the game that was like when they say defenses are on top in the NFL for this preseason, they, they meant it. <laughs> um, I have to say it was 
a game of to well, I guess it's a game of four quarters anti arms. But it makes you makes you think when you when you get that. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, the Packers came out firing. Todd Bowles was throwing all sorts of exotic fronts, bringing like over trying to overload um, one side of the offensive line, which had David Baxter Black, but on a pitch count, I think he played just over half the snaps, and Yosh never picked up the rest of them. I think the problem was when you looked at the Packers last week, they had a lot from the running game and. The Bucks are still quite a slow run defense. Obviously, when they've got Vita Vera up front, he takes up a lot of space. Levante David and um, Shaq Barrett and um, Joe Tryon Shoyinka, I thought, really showed out in this game, particularly in the second half. In the first half, yeah, they tried all these exotic looks and Rogers just had all the answers. They should have gone up 21 to 3, but Aaron Jones got ball rushed in the back completely unsighted by me fumbled the ball which is understandable and um, they ended up not being able to punch it in and then they had to rely on their defence the rest of the way because Todd Bowles really stymied them pulled off some great defensive adjustments at half time the Packers couldn't really get anything going when when they've not got their run game I think that LaFleur type McVeigh historical you know that school of, of offensive coaching it loses its traction, especially when Rodgers is still building chemistry with the wide receivers. Um, my only positive for the Packers, well, there are a lot of positives, actually. Romeo Dobbs had eight catches on eight targets, so that was nice. Uh, but my biggest positive would be um, this is a game that they never, ever normally win. I think this is their fourth ever win when they've scored 14 points or fewer, and the other three were against Jay Cutler. <laughs> Mark Sanchez, <laughs> I, think, I think Matt Hasselbeck. Oh so to add God. Tom Brady to that list is, is kind of a great achievement. And they got through without any big special teams clubs for the third game in a row, um, which would have cost them last year. So, yeah, lots to work on for the Packers still, but um, they made Brady angry, and you can't ask for anything more than that. How long do, do we have an actual like um, injury status on Jair? Um, I think it's considered week to week at the moment. Um, okay. They didn't give anything significant, and he he wasn't like he was all smiles in the locker room after the game apparently. But I think a groin is quite hard when you're a cornerback. I think a groin kind of affects you quite a lot. <laughs> but um, they they got some good play out of Stokes. I mean, they weren't really matching up against much Perryman, Cole Beasley. Just apparently just showed up for this game and they put a uniform on him and they let him play. Um, so not too much to compete against. But, I mean, yeah. that's their fault. Mike Evans shouldn't go around slapping or punching people. So, yeah. no yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't. It's not like a an official thing. He just won a competition at a local Burger King franchise. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, they gave him the. That's why his helmet had the Burger King crown decal on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I heard the common. Uh, commentary team, or I can't remember who it was that was on this game. Burkhart and Olsen. Yeah. Burkhart and Olsen said something after Ke- uh, Cole Beasley had his like first catch. They were like, oh, he, he was signed off uh, He was signed off free agency for this game, and he's already formed a great alliance with Tom Brady. Yeah, 12 <laughs> catches for... Oh, sorry. 12 yards off three catches is sure one hell of an alliance. <laughs> yeah. Kevin. Not a bad show from Cole. Um... 
Yeah, the, the other thing is um, Devondre Campbell got the pass break up after that hilarious delay of game on the two-point, decisive two-point <laughs> yeah. conversion. Um, and Devondre Campbell, I think, is, is an all-pro. And Quay Walker next to him is all over the gaff. He forced a fumble in this game. So, yeah, the Packers' defense bouncing back nicely after our embarrassment, particularly in the first half against the Vikings. So I said, oh, that's unprofessional of me, isn't it? <laughs> that was the first time this season that I watched the Packers' offense and thought... <laughs> There's glimmers of something that it, it, they're hoping that it might look like come December time. Yeah, um, the, you know, the defensive the defensive unit is consistently good and has been under Lafleur, but um, and it should be with the personnel you have. But that was the first time this season that I watched it and thought, you know what, I can see a I can see a flicker of something there. They really could have used. I actually thought they they didn't have obviously Sammy Watkins, which is a given, but they didn't have Christian Watson either. And those are their two fastest players, and they could really use some speed. They they lost the jet sweeps out of the playbook without those two, and that would have been really helpful against the Bucks front. But well, they got the win. That's what matters at this point. <laughs> All right, um, moving on to the biggest surprise of this week, or was it really a surprise? Because Sam hung the biggest onions of the week in our predictions league, picked the Jags to win, but who expected thirty eight to ten? In SoFi Stadium for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are two and one right now. Crazy. Who'd have thought the South? I I've I have not a single doubt in my mind they're gonna win the South because despite the Colts' win against the Chiefs, they're a shambles. The Texans are a shambles and the Titans are a complete mystery at this point. So it's the Jags to lose as far as I'm concerned. They well they are good at that, so do you want to talk about the Jets being good or do you want to talk about the Chargers the wheels falling off in week three well, I just want to, I think the well I, I, I obviously want to talk about the Chargers capitulating but I think we should mention that Trevor Lawrence is looking the thing that I like most about Trevor Lawrence this season is that he looks competent it's not that he's got um, flashy highlight plays and throwing the ball for 60 yards and stuff touchdowns and stuff like that it's that they're winning games yeah they're winning games with him playing consistently which is a great foundation and looked a million miles off last season under under he who shall not be named urban meyer uh, but he the, and the fact that they can win games with him and he doesn't have to, to do the highlight plays. He just has to, to sort of game manage, really. And at that point, at this point in his career, where under the new coach with Peterson, he's, um, I think that's that's a really good place for him to be in. And he looks really comfortable, which is really good to see. If you're a Jackson, of course. Not for the rest of the uh, AFC South. <clears throat> yeah, they. Um, I think as well, um, I, saw a, I saw a point being made about how the Jags defence showing up today shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that's been paying attention to anything that they've been doing over the last like three years when it comes to team building because they have so many just athletic monsters on their team specifically from you know just having a slew of high draft picks and what have you but everyone seemed to come to play in this game here against the Chargers they were all over the shop just Purely because the the Chargers' offense didn't have anywhere near as much athleticism about him. Um, got great games out of like Devin Lloyd, uh, Foyer Lumicon, 
got Josh Allen having a, a pretty disruptive day, even though he didn't actually get very much on the actual box score. Roy Robertson Harris, uh, Harris had a pretty nice day as well. Dwayne Smoot had a sack, and it, it just... I think the Chargers being bad partly also comes down to Justin Herbert having, like, fractured rib cartilage, which is never going to help, especially when, you know, you're missing your short guy uh, or your short yardage guy in possession receiver in Keenan Allen. You've, you've sort of got the rest of your offense built around, like, taking deep shots because you've got a gunslinger quarterback, and at the moment he can't actually throw the ball with any sort of zip properly really well, I, I don't know he did have one completion in this game which was kind of ridiculous yeah. well it, yeah obviously like but he had one against the Chiefs after also being like yeah. on yeah he was right. absolutely like crumpled against the Chiefs for like most of like, that how, spell how often is or at least for a little while now how how often are going to be able to like leave those like Roots to develop when you're missing Corey Lindsley and Rashawn Slater. I don't know how long. My main question question from this game is, 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 has Staley lost his mind? Like, why on earth was Herbert still in the game past the fourth quarter? Because the game was done. Oh, Uh, God. Guyton. Guy, Guyton got injured on the last drive, and he's injured now. So they're now without Allen and Guyton in the receiving room. Um, without Slater and Lindsay on the line, Bosa tore his groin by all accounts. Is is potentially the, the injury yeah. report on that? So they've already lost like four or five Pro Bowlers from the from the roster already. With Herbert playing through God knows what, and their season the season's not over, obviously, because they're a very very good team. But it's already looking. A bit shaky. Yeah. If they you can't like if you can't get Herbert back healthy quickly. They didn't seem to run the ball very often either, especially like I mean I could understand when you were playing down big or whatever, but even even I mean the first quarter was was tied at nothing. I'm ex- I would have expected them to have run the ball a little bit more than twelve times. Especially when Justin Herbert's that injured right now. Yeah. He threw forty five times. I was about to say, Herbert threw 45 passes. It's insane. How much of that was just because they were down? Well, it wasn't, because in the first quarter, it was was even. And in the second quarter, it was only... I mean, at halftime, it was 16-7 to the Jags, which is still not ridiculously down. Not down enough to have your injured quarterback throw 45 passes and run 12 times with any of your running backs. Eckler had four carries. Having a banged up offensive line and going against the Jags defensive line, I mean, you didn't even, when you were listening to the guys, you didn't even mention that Trayvon Walker's had a pretty, you know, okay to good start as a rookie and, and he's taken up space in the interior. It, it's, the, the Chargers haven't really been ever under Staley a really good interior running team. They're not a, a great power running team. They profit out more from. You know, using Echo with swing passes and the screen game, outside zone and that sort of thing. I don't think of the Chargers, especially not that Lindsley, as a team who can physically dominate up front. And that's a huge problem for them. They rely entirely on Herbert pulling a rabbit out of the hat. Um, And he can do it on a fairly consistent basis. You know, he's a great quarterback, but 
there's there's no sustained room for success. And I think there's a really dark cloud over this team right now compared to where they were in preseason expectations. Yeah. It's, it's just... The it's AFC West no right now feels it. like the more things change, the more they stay the same. The Raiders look pretty much the same as they did under Gruden. The Chiefs have looked fairly similar to how they looked last year. The Chargers are the same team every year, and the Broncos still can't move the ball or score points on a consistent basis, no matter who they've got. So, yeah, it feels like very much the same AFC West that it's always been. <laughs> I didn't even mention JC Jackson as well earlier, from their roster of people that they've been missing. And the fact that they rushed him back for the Chiefs game, and then now have set him back a couple of weeks at least, because he didn't play against... He didn't play against the Jags, and so they rushed him back for that one-off game against the Chiefs, and now he's out again for another couple of weeks because he re-aggravated his injury. Like, it's just such horrific asset management. Well, as um, long as they don't do further plays to injuries, the other star players, like, I was thinking, <laughs> Derwin James, uh, Khalil Mack, uh, Austin Eckler, uh, Mike Williams. Uh, uh, <laughs> never get injured. <laughs> Is Tyrell Williams free? Because uh, they're going to need him. <laughs> Um, just on a, another point about the Jags, um, it sort of piggybacks off of the Trevor Lawrence being a good game manager thing. Their running game has really started; it's it's really started getting its legs underneath it, especially now that they're using James Robinson like he should be oh. used. Because I mean, he had that incredibly long run at home, being like, "Who's this guy?" Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Travis Etienne has been. All right, he dropped a he dropped a crucial pass in the Commanders game, but he's been fine. But James Robinson should have always been the lead back under Urban Meyer, and I cannot I cannot believe that we had a whole year of this guy's career wasted. And it just feels like he he's been battling uphill constantly in his NFL career because nobody paid him any respect last season, and now he's and now he's making everyone pay for it. He's looked fantastic. And to look that good coming off that injury is insane. Yeah, agreed. It was pretty late last year, wasn't it? Uh, like it must have been the last like game or two. I think so. Yeah, I um, because they were sort of wondering whether or not he was actually going to play in week one because of yeah recovering from the injury and stuff. So. You almost never see... This is... Sorry, I had to go and tend to my roast chicken. This is about James Robinson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you almost never see a running back come back from the Achilles. I remember um, Deontay Foreman, and he was on the Texans. He tore his Achilles, and he was playing quite well, and it took him, like, two or three years to get back to, like, a decent level. So it's incredible, really, what he's, what he's managed to do. And I, I, It's early to talk about this, but I would probably have him possibly as my favourite for comeback player of the year based on the, what he's come back from and how he's playing. Potentially. He's in with a shout, sure. Alright. Um, moving away. We're going to talk uh, the rest of these games are are full-blown one-pointers. Um, starting with Texans 20, Bears 23. Couple turgid teams not able to play. Justin Fields came out after the game and said that he was trash, and I would be inclined to agree. Agree. He is not very how good many, right now. How many? 
pass attempts did he have? He had 17 game? attempts and 106 Ten. yards with two interceptions. So good job, Justin Fields. Three games in, and I think he has like 275 passing yards. That's not that's bad. Yeah, it's bad. bad. Well, he I, he's not an NFL quarterback, I don't think. Yeah, I really I, thought it was like a, a situational thing, but. Well, the situation is that Justin Fields isn't very good, if you could talk about it being situational. (laughs) Everyone knows that, like, um, the Bears don't really have any good receivers and whatever, but this is two years now where they just don't trust him to throw more than, like, 12 passes a game. Hey, get get Darnell Mooney's name in your mouth. Okay, Darnell Mooney's done absolutely nothing this year. <laughs> That's because <laughs> I think he had four combined yards in the two first two games, Mooney. I think he had four yards combined in yeah. the first two games. And Cole Komet, who was meant to be good, it, it's, it's, it's hard to evaluate this team. It meant to be in a rebuilding year, but and yeah. when you've got a quarterback who doesn't play like an NFL quarterback, what, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> and yeah, they're 2-1 right now. I know. It's fraudulent, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And it's Great funny because I am I am keeping a track of this because Max um said that my take was uh what We all said it was garbage. No, no, you yeah, specifically it was, pointed it, it out. Stupid. It's not stupid. The Seahawks will have the number one overall pick, I can guarantee it. The, the Bears the will Bears. get enough crap wins against crap teams from a crap schedule. Guarantee it. They'll beat the Commanders. They'll beat the Giants. There's another two fucking wins. That'll be more than the Seahawks get. I really don't think they will. You can you can mark this down in okay. week uh, in on the fucking sixteenth of October when we do the podcast for that week and and the Bears and Commanders have just played out another turgid game and the Bears have come out on top and they have four wins on the year. Mark it. Check Bears? it. Who do you think is the Bears? Backup, if you had to guess. If Jay, I had to guess, uh, I would Cotter. say it would be the intensely hairy guy who was like the Chiefs quarterback for a backup quarterback for a few years. What was his name? Um, Red Brandy Hairy guy. He looked like, he looked like a, a werewolf kind of man. <laughs> Matt. Oh, I don't know. I, I can pick. I think he wore number four for the Chiefs. Can't think off the top of my head. Well, whoever I, he is, he's well, definitely the best. You're both wrong because it's actually Trevor Simeon. So, oh, what? <laughs> they should put him in. I mean, yeah. I really don't think that they should. I mean, Fields is bad, but so <laughs> so is Trevor Simeon, and I would much rather not watch Trevor Simeon. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess at least Justin Fields is good at running. Yeah, at least there's yeah, a slightly run. different element to Justin Fields as opposed to a bad pocket passer. Who also has legs of cement. The Texans feel like they've regressed from last year. Yeah. Which is impressive. <laughs> Sam, what was your take about Damian Pierce being like a, a, a good sleeper running back? Where is he? Wait, Come so, outside. Wait let me let me do some quick math. He, he actually had a decent game against the Bears. Yeah. Like, used yeah. The first two yeah. weeks were not good. But this was a little bit better, so that's like a hundred. Okay, so they have fourteen games left, and he simply needs to average. Because I believe, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I feel like I'm in just as hot water 
about Sam wasn't Sam's prediction like <laughs> wasn't Sam's prediction like that the the Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry and Damian Pierce would combine for like five thousand rushing yards. Yeah it was. No, it was that they would each get seventeen hundred rushing yards. <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good, bro. <laughs> are we are we already on Damian Pierce needing to average about hundred and forty yards for the rest of the season? 107, Tom. A paltry 107 yards per game. That's fine. I'm sure that he's done that at least once or combined over his first three weeks. They'll be be (laughs) running down the clock in a lot of wins coming up. I'd be just as worried about Taylor and Henry. These two teams are sorry. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Yeah, Yeah, let's let's take this round back and and have a kind then. Pop a bullet in the head. Right. Rams 20, Cardinals 12. My only point about this game is that on commentary, Matt Stafford got called Pat Pafford, which... Oh, no, it was on a Pizza Hut advert, and that's all I, like, I have yeah. to say about this this game. <laughs> it just made me chuckle, because it was like football Twitter is spread to to Pizza Hut adverts. Pat uh, Pafford. I think, I think you'll find it's Little Caesars. No, I thought it was Pizza Hut. Nah, that's all Little Caesars, baby. <laughs> that does seem like a certified Little Caesars move. Yeah, the, the Hut would never debase themselves as such. Well, they did have that Gareth Southgate advert. Well, they did well, have that Juju Smith Schuster advert. Isn't he still a beloved national figure? Who goes no, Southgate? The waistcoat thing wore off pretty fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I think, um, yeah, this game, there's really not much to talk about because these teams played exactly like how you thought they might do. Um, the Cardinals are pretty bad. Like, <laughs> they just like, missed this. And it's, they had that crazy comeback last week, but they just look like a team with no direction. Like, like the writing is just on the wall of Cliff Kingsbury is going to get sacked. They all sign and accepts six-year extensions in the summer. I mean, the GM and the do you find which part of that do you find more egregious? The Cliff, or Cliff, Cliff for sure. Cliff, because no, but the roster construction is not like any better the dra- than the drafting has been. The last three years, they took Simmons and then they took uh, Collins last year, and then they traded their first for Hollywood Brown this year. What kind hey. of? Hey, they're loaded I'll... up with ballsy defensive players. The future of the position. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say this for the kind, Bob. I think Hollywood's worked out. Yeah, he, he was good. Actually, was good. Yeah, well, he, he, he had a good he's game. He's worked out in that he is there now and he had a good game. Whether that's worth a first-round pick to you, that's not for me to decide. They just don't have any players who aren't dross. Like the offensive line, that. dross. James Connor and who's the other running? I know Benjamin. Uh, <laughs> James Connor had a lot of touchdowns last year, but he's not really. Um, he's not a great running back. He's, he's a running he's back, a back that's that's only he, as he good as the job. sum of its parts, which is if you get to down say to the like, goal line, James Connor comes in useful, but they've not done much getting down to the goal line. Well, Zach Ertz and AJ Green, old the, like the defensive pieces. <laughs> I think they're. I think their leading receiver this season so far is Greg Dortch. Like, yeah, uh, where on earth is that coming from, and why is that a thing? Like, I just, I just want them to have one player whose name doesn't make me like grimace. Do you, does anyone? 
the team? Yeah, he had a catch for 11 yards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is the JJ Ortega Whiteside of the West Coast. Out there, you. <laughs> who I guess actually now JJ Ortega Whiteside is on the uh, is on the Seahawks. They they're trying to fight for airspace. Um, yeah, well that's quite the fight. And on the Rams side, they're just ticking over at the moment. They might be something in, in towards the end of the season, but they're not inspiring anyone at the moment. Yeah, they're I mean, two and one though, and they they will win this division because um, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is bad. Kyler Murray, now that they've told him to do homework, is bad. And uh, Geno Smith is genuinely so abhorrently woeful that I, 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 I just don't want to hear it. So I would, they'll, win the, I would, they'll win the division. I would, I would push back vaguely on Geno being like horribly, awfully terrible. I think he's just a mediocre backup. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Alright, um Yeah, let's quickly move on because gross. <laughs> uh to another game that just just stunk. Um we had a we had a the the most fun that I had with the uh Saints fourteen Panthers twenty two was oh. whenever they showed back every play that Jameis was involved in everyone in the Discord watch party just went, no, Jameis! And that was the most fun that I had with this game. Bad game. Bad, bad, bad play. Panthers looked better on defense, though. So, fair play. The the Panthers' defensive unit is really quite exciting. They've got a lot of good young players there. I think Jeremy Chin, and I've, I'm a big fan of Brian Burns. Um, Brian Burns is starting to get to Jesse Lingard age, isn't he? Isn't he like 25, 26? No, he's Isn't he, Jesse he's, Lingard thirty. But but my question main question out of this game is are the Saints legitimately like bad? Yeah. Because yes. the only win they've got so far <laughs> is that absolute miracle against the Falcons in the first game of the season where that was just a complete fluke. Uh, free win. They, they definitely are. They definitely uh, are bad to watch, especially like whether they're a, whether or not they're an actually bad team is another thing. But they are at least dreadful to actually watch um, in any way. Their Buccaneers, the Buccaneers game last week was it was so unbelievably boring that I almost fell asleep when watching back the highlights. Be, and it was a fucking. Like this, like when you look at the team on paper, they should have at least an offensive more problem. Like even if James Winston isn't good, he should at least be able to. Del- I mean, he's got like some mad back problem, and I don't really know why he's playing through it when he's playing like this. Why don't they put Andy Dalton in? Four transverse fractures in his back. You know what? I don't know a lot about backs or transverse fractures, but that doesn't sound, doesn't sound good. Transverse <laughs> <laughs> fracture is where, like, if it was on an arm. Like it'd be a fracture straight across the middle, so it's not like jagged or like it can like oh. it, but it's literally straight through the fucking middle. And he has four of them in his back. Like, well, you don't need your back as a quarterback. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> or at most, you only need about twenty five percent of it. <laughs> but yeah, they've Sorry got that. 
they've now got receiving actual receivers, not called little Jordan Humphrey and whoever the hell else they were throwing to last season. And like, so Thomas is back and Alave's flashed uh, in, in moments. And, well, and their offense looks <laughs> looks turgid. They have Jarvis Landry as well. They, they, they do. Alvin Kamara, who's meant to be good, but who hasn't really shown it for a couple of years. And the, the defense is full of the household names like Jordan. He's been non-existent this season, and um, they signed Matthew from the Chiefs. And don't forget great for the, the two best uh, middle backers and Demario Davis and Pete Werner, and and they have been good, but like the offense hasn't had any juice as a team. They just like struggling to stay afloat right now. Do you know how whenever the Saints would have like a sort of pretty meh team you'd still be like oh it's the sean payton effect because they'd still be like right up amongst the playoffs and you'd be like how are they winning these games now that sean payton's gone they've actually they've got probably one of the best actual constructed offenses that i've seen the saints have for quite some time they're all healthy apart from james winston with his four fractures in his back um but they're not they, healthy anymore. A bunch of them got injured in that game. Well, too. Yeah. they they were they healthy through the first three weeks, should I say? Landry um, went out, but they they no longer have the um, they no longer have the Sean Payton effect. They actually yeah, have the well, inverse really. Sean Payton effect, where you're like, how is a team that's full of this much talent losing such bad bad games? And there should be. There should have been continuity over with with Allen going into head coach as well. Yeah, in the defensive side of the ball, and, but somehow they just look infinitely worse than they did last season. I have, whilst you were talking, discovered why the defense looks so bad. It's because Daniel Sorensen is now on this team. Oh yeah. God, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I actually super annoyed when that happened. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I managed to escape Sorensen and he follows him to to New Orleans. One of um, one of one of my friends, uh, Crocodilus Games, who's probably somewhere in chat just lurking. Um, he is a Chiefs fan, and he, I remember him getting really angry because I pointed out that Daniel Sorensen covering Dawson Knox is why the Bills put like 140 yards on them one uh, once just from Knox. And he was like, oh, no, Sorensen's good. And then the very next play, Sorensen got cooked again, and he was like, all right, I take it back. Daniel Soren- the story of Daniel Sorensen in Kansas City is very sad because he went through a spell where he played and had so many really good moments in, particularly in playoffs. Like he, he forced a fumble on a kickoff return and all sorts. And Didn't like he... we won the, we won a game against the Browns where he, yeah. he made a goal line tackle and they fumbled the ball over the over the line and and then they he stuck around for a season too long. And yeah. that's, Didn't he commit the greatest crime of all time? Give up a touchdown to Jordan Love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is that is the biggest sin known to me. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. We've got two more games left from this uh, from the Sunday games. Uh, Jets twelve, Bengals twenty seven. Can we just move on from this one? Red zone, red zone seemed a lot more exciting when I was watching it than when we've talked back about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because the red zone very well featured. Bills, Lions, Raiders, and Chiefs, and Ravens games a lot more, but yeah. the latter stages of all of these games combined couldn't even hold a candle to some of the other ones that Red Zone was showing. So we just didn't see them. 
This game stank. This Bengals Jets game didn't have a single point scored in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So yeah, I've got no recollection other than T Higgins got smacked in this game. I remember that. Yeah, he did. He absolutely yeah shaken up. He's he's um, he's taken two massive hits by the way just uh, in in two weeks and you know how Max you're tracking the Justin Fields takes more big hits as a quarterback than anybody else. I'm tracking yeah. the why does everyone hate T Higgins because <laughs> T. Higgins he, he gets, he's just been crucified right now. The T Higgins one was just a dirty hit. I thought like from the safety coming over just he was totally defenseless and he got walloped, which you know I, I don't yeah. I don't Gardner had already tackled him, and then the safety came, didn't he? And properly hit him head head to head. I don't Uh, know if everyone hates T Higgins. Maybe they just like bloody tired of trying to cover him and chase. (laughs) Do we think Salah survives the season? As in, uh, well, he'd probably be fired at the end of the season. But do we think he makes it to Week 18? It depends what Zach Wilson looks like. Well, yeah, I think those growth. Then probably not. But if not, then. It's really hard to judge Robert Salah because they've they have had a quite hard schedule. They've played the Ravens, Browns, and Jets. The Browns were on the road. Oh, he said it. I said he it. Said Fuck! It. I've been I've been live on Twitch for fucking six and a half hours. Cut my brain some slack. But they've played the Ravens and the Bengals at home, and the team that shall not be named again on the road. That is a hell of a tough schedule to to have Joe Flacco as your your only quarterback that that could go in there. He threw fifty two times here. They, I'm not being funny. Like Robert so Sella, right? Joe Flacco threw fifty two times. Yeah, apparently is so. Getting over the offensive line by the end. I don't know. I, I genuinely I couldn't tell you. Um, Ed put in chat just now. Um, it's relevant for this game, and there's another one that's relevant for the game after next. Uh, the Jets have led, uh, led for just 22 seconds across all 180 minutes of play. They're currently that's one not and bad two. For them, yeah, they're that currently yeah, they're currently one and two with that. So good job. The Bengals uh, are also one and two. They finally got a win. They're going to they're going to need to beat somebody that isn't the Jets. <laughs> Well, their, their season is going to come down to whether they can either split games with the Ravens or or, or take both games against the Ravens to win the division. Because yeah. I think they're good enough to get themselves back up to like a 11-6, and 10-7 record. It's just whether they can get an uphand on the Ravens for the division. Yeah. Um. I really, I'm really sad about Salah. I really like Robert Salah as a as a as a coach. I've watched. I have no idea, no idea why I did this, but I watched a little bit of the Jets YouTube uh, series that they did. Um, and because I'm upset for pain. Um, and uh, and Salah seems like a really, really, really sound guy, and I really want him to succeed. But it's difficult because. I don't think Wilson showed anything last season when he comes back, which allegedly is going to be maybe this week, maybe yeah. the week after. Um, he didn't show much last season to get nope. excited about. Um, and Salah is a defensive guy first, and the defense looks leaky and miscommunications all over the field. And it's just, oh, I feel really bad for him because I want him to succeed, but it feels feels rough. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, right. Jets fans are used to that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fine. They they inflicted misery on one team and 
that's the only team that they needed to inflict misery on. So I'm exactly I'm, that's all that uh, everybody yeah. else can go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, final one. Sorry to leave a three and and0 team till last, but the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Washington Commanders twenty four to eight. This game was over in the second quarter, and then there was only one other point scoring moment, and it was in the fourth quarter. This game just had absolutely I've literally nothing. got nothing to say about this game. Yeah. Still, well, Smith was crazy. Apart from, I saw it half the time. go on. Sorry. Now, uh, I just wanted to remind Max because he forgot last week about the Nick Sirianni oh point, and I made a note specifically <laughs> that that was going to be the talking point for you, and that was it. Yeah, well, last week I was going to make a point about how nobody's giving any credit to Nick Sirianni or talking about it. And I forgot to make it. So, <laughs> Nick, I doubted you. I doubted you a lot when you first came in. I'd like to apologise. You're looking good, and your quarterback might win MVP in this room. Amazing. At the minute, I think you've got to put him in the top three, along with Jackson, Lamar, obviously, yeah, and maybe Josh Allen as well. Probably your top three. Yeah. Um, I think those three at the minute are kind of in a league of their own. As uh, won't very often hear a Chiefs fan say that when, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Mahomes not involved, but I saw, I saw, I heard a stat that the 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 yards in this game was something like three hundred thirty to forty at half time. Yeah. Um, but I also saw something on Twitter, and I don't know if it was if it was photoshopped, where at one point it was three hundred twenty or three hundred ten yards to negative one yard. And I don't <laughs> know if that was photoshopped or if that was legitimate, but I hope it's. I hope it's. I would believe it because they they got so many negative sack yardage plays on Wednesday. Like, yeah. Nine sacks. Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was seventeen QB pressures, which it seems very high. Yeah. It was the same story as when the when Carson Wentz faced the Eagles last year. I don't know if anyone remembers where it was like, oh, is he going to have a revenge game? And then the Eagles sacked him over and over and over and over it's almost, and over. It's almost as if he might be a terrible locker room guy and everybody hates him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it might be that he holds on to the ball for about nine years but doesn't have any of the uh, ability to actually do so. I've got nothing else on this. Can we move on to the prime times quickly? Yes. My, my big one thing to say is I think AJ Brown has completely changed this team. Yeah. I think now having two legitimate number one receivers in him and Smith, they just look oh. they look pretty next week. Devonta Smith was just unplayable today as well. Like this was just one of those games where what do you what do you even do? I know that the commanders aren't very good, but what do you even do when you when you come up against AJ Brown and Devonta Smith playing like this, and you got Jalen Hurts making sound decisions, making great throws? They uh, they just are a good it, it team. Would, it would be interesting to me to see the Eagles play against a team who can get pressure on Jalen Hurts with four and contain him when he scrambles. Yeah, because put him under a bit of pressure. But that's a lot easier said than done. Yeah, I, yeah. it might happen in the playoffs against. There's some pretty good defences in the NFC, so we'll see. But, yeah, there's nothing that an average team can do. Like when he's, especially when he's throwing that well and such a threat on the ground and he has those threats. It wasn't this... My, my, my final thought on this game would be this wasn't a Carson Wentz versus the Eagles revenge game. It was a Jalen Hurts versus the stadium that almost killed him. <laughs> 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 All right, we got two primetime games. Uh, one of them, I genuinely, I think I'm actually, I'm, I'm tempted to throw the Broncos into the into the complete purgatory zone 
um, because every single one of their games has been almost completely unwatchable. They are Awful. they are truly terrible. The only point that I have about this game is that finally Dan Olofsky is free because Jimmy Garoppolo also... He can claim that, but the Olofsky one was way worse. The Garoppolo one was comedy, and he threw a pick six on the play. Yeah. <laughs> he literally ran like nine steps and you didn't realise. There's only... There is only there's one there's only one way that you can run out the back of your own end zone um, in that sort of comical fashion and have it be the the correct play, and that's by throwing a pick six. <laughs> so Garoppolo <laughs> stepped out the back of the end zone. Orlovsky sprinted out. Of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I have literally I nothing the, else. I have. I found the Broncos very fun to watch this year <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as a fellow AFC West supporter. But there was they looked a slightly more competent this week, but that's like going from a two out of ten to a two and a half out of ten. They just look they look a mess. They're not they're not utilizing Ante Williams for enough. Yeah, it's a miracle right now. The Broncos, the, the Broncos are currently yeah two and one. They've scored 16, 16, 11. They just agreed to pay Russell Wilson until he's 40 years old. And a lot of money to do so as well. I know that there's like technically an out when he's like 38, but Jesus fucking Christ. Can you fathom a 40-year-old Russell Wilson? In the yeah, he's going to look the exact same and behave the exact same as he always has and always oh. will. <laughs> I just not. It's going to be like Wayne Lineker levels of fucking embarrassing old man cringe. That's that's what we're going to be dealing with from old Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> oh, fucking Christ oh. alive. Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> Dreadful. Did Hackett have any absolute meltdowns in this game? I'm not sure he did, did he? Not as bad. No, nothing that registered on the scale of the first two weeks. Yeah, I, nothing I, like the crowd chanting the play clock at him levels. Of that's, my, that's my favourite half an hour of the season so far. Yeah. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Like, how, how, like, I really do think he's going to be one and done. Like, how, how much is this going to have to come together for him to actually be worth keeping around? This, this is what Russell looked like in Seattle, though. This is what Russell looked like in, in Russell Wilson looked like in Seattle, though. Maybe he's just washed. Yeah, maybe he is, because he is one. He's one of the like. Whenever you see the list of like all-time most sacked quarterbacks, there's like a few names at the top, and Russell Wilson's always like included in that measure. He's he's the wrong side of thirty. He throws ninety-yard passes consistent, or he threw ninety-yard passes consistently. Maybe he is. Maybe he's just shot. Maybe he's just. It's he's just he's but just he done, and they're paying him till he's forty from this point. Seven he more years. So long, and when he doesn't know the receivers, it's possible. I've got to go. I just want to leave you with one final thought for the last game of the week, if that's possible. That's fine. We're moving on to it. So go on. Daniel Jones, through three weeks of the season, is on course to run a hundred and forty-two times. Last year's leading rusher was Jalen Hurts. He had one hundred and thirty-nine. So as long as they keep using DJ like Jalen Hurts. Um, expect continued success for the New York Giants. <laughs> and I actually do need to go, so it was a pleasure speaking with you, Bull. You, Bull? Bull? <laughs> it was a pleasure speaking Bull with you all. Yeah.
See you later, Mags. Bye. Alright. Um yeah, we're gonna turn our attention to the final game. Sorry that it's been a bit of a long one. Um I thought that we were getting through it quite quick, but apparently we weren't. Um Cowboys twenty three, Giants sixteen, Sam the dream is over. <laughs> you lost to Cooper Rush after after a two and season. Yeah. Could you sum it up in about eight words for us so we can all go home? Okay, I can, I have some points, but I'll make them very quick. Firstly, this is maybe one of well, it's not maybe, it's definitely one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the NFL. Yes. It is. They like Daniel Jones played well today. He bailed them out of some tight fucking spots, like on his feet or just making some good throws. But the wide receivers, they they barely get any separation. They, I mean, I know that it's not this current administration that's done it, but they paid Penny Golladay however much. I know he's not a he's not a separation Dreadful. guy, yeah, but he's a he's a contested catch guy. How about you catch some of them? One of his drops was completely unfathomable. I don't know how he dropped it. It is, it is ridiculous. <laughs> I I feel like this is gonna be, you know, how how well can you evaluate Daniel Jones in a year where you have where that should be your like primary objective when the wide receiver room is fucking awful. The O line cannot get itself together. Is it possible they don't want to evaluate Daniel Jones though? Because I remember Baker Mayfield's final year, where they specifically kept putting him, despite his injuries, in some dreadful positions with pretty bad wide receiver room, and they traded away his his best option. So it was like they don't actually want to evaluate him; they just want an out so that they can explain it to the fan base. Um. I don't think that that's the case, but the, like, I mean, fucking Sterling Shepard is out for the year. He tore yeah, so yeah. which sucks and only, you know, exacerbates the issues. But, like, when you have the tandem of such, like, such god-awful receiver play and god-awful O-line play, he... Daniel Jones dropped about 49 times. He was pressured on 26 of them. 26. I mean, uh, the the Giants wide receiver room right now is looking a bit like uh, Crosby, Sills and cra- uh, Trash right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, just, what are they doing? What's the vibe with Tony? He sort of threatened at the start of the season and all the noise in the off-season was that he looked great and now he's was in inact- injured inactive. Yeah, well, he's, he's been injured his whole, like... Tenure. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can't, like, games when he's actually been, like, healthy and made an impact on one hand. But, I... I like You have to assume that they've already made them up on Jones. Yeah, but, like, I, I know this is, like, it's a rebuilding season. And the, two, the first two weeks, like, inflated my expectations. I'm aware of that, but like, I just like, with the O-line, like, the Cowboys have a very good D-line, but 
I just like I wanted so much more from Evan Neal. The the defense was trash. Thibodeau was a ghost. Ojolari, Thibodeau and Ojolari were both back for this game. You wouldn't have fucking known it. I, it's the Giants again. Saquon looks good. Yeah. Saquon <laughs> is the only legitimate playmaker on this team, bar Daniel Jones. So it is the Giants again. We're just going to await for the inevitable week six injury where he's out <laughs> yeah. for the season with an ankle sprain. <laughs> they never oh. left. <laughs> oh, yeah. They um... on, the, on a positive note for the Cowboys, Cooper Rush is looking quite good. He's three and zero in his career. Yeah. Somebody Seahawks should trade a first round pick for him. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even have a first round pick this year, or is the, is that still the Jetsers? <laughs> they've got Denver's now. They've, they've, probably got, they've probably got two. Oh, they're not going to yeah. know what to do with them. They're yeah. definitely going to get a trade for Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It'll be another Brock Osweiler situation all over again. Disaster. Can we get out of here now? Because <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't have any further points. And I have, I have a bitter taste in my yeah, both of these primetime games were so oh. dreadful that it actually spoiled the whole week of football for me almost. It's been a bit of a running theme so far this season. The primetime games have been a bit uh, either not competitive or just terrible games. It's, it, yeah. yeah. Even when sometimes they look promising, they still they still just haven't ever... They've not popped. So, all right. Let's uh, let's get out of here. Thank you for joining us, by the way, Nick. It's been a pleasure to have you. No, thank you for having me. Have I've you got any that. Have you got any external projects that people can check you out on, or a Twitter account, or or something? I do have a Twitter account, but it's mostly me just talking about films and how much I hate the Tories. Um, that's a good. Yeah, that's... <laughs> if you want, uh, it's uh, Nick double uh, Nick underscore underscore deal two underscores. Um, yeah. And uh, firmly in keeping uh, with the vibe. Yeah, myself and uh, Reese, who was going to join the show tonight, we we both work for a film site called Jump Cut Online, which is also on Twitter if you want to follow us, follow us on there. But NFL stuff, no, very limited. So if you have a short for man again, I'd be more than happy to uh, to step up and uh, and expand my repertoire NFL wise. Well, yeah, been uh, been a pleasure to have you. We'll probably have you back at some point. Maybe uh, maybe with a a Chiefs game against one of the host teams. I don't know if the Chiefs play um, any of I don't of think any of the host year. teams are good enough for that to be consequential in any way. Yeah. They, do, they play the Bills in a few weeks, though, don't they? Oh. They do. They've got... They've got uh, it's Bucks, it's Bucks, it's Bucks, Raiders, Bills, 49ers in the next four. That's oh, a bit of a God. gauntlet. Well, apart from the Raiders and the 49ers. <laughs> Okay, it's not that much of a gauntlet after all. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, uh, sweet. Well, in which case, I reckon we should we should wrap up. Um, Sam, I think I think I think it's on I think it's on you to give a closing remark since Max isn't here. So, what are your final thoughts? Um, I think that John Feliciano should walk into the Pacific Ocean. Good closing thoughts. All right. We'll be back uh, 
throughout next week at some point um, and you know we'll be carrying the fort while Ed and Emma are on a a lengthy break an extended honeymoon so but anyway thanks everyone for joining and uh, ironic that the Eddie and Emma honeymoon began when the Brian Dayball honeymoon ended I hate it here I hate it here too (laughs) Ha <laughs>